0: Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message.
1: Now Peter is preaching, and in the 32nd verse he says we are witnesses. In the 33rd verse, he mentions that Jesus Christ has been exalted at the right hand of the Father. And he says, Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. And he goes on to say that Jesus, who you crucified, is both Lord and Christ, but he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now, it's a very important thing that we realize... that he who is the brightness of his glory, the effugence of his person, the expressed and exact image of God, has purged our sins and is set down at the right hand of God. Now, why is that so important? When the Holy Spirit was sent in the day of Pentecost, that meant that Jesus Christ The man was truly accepted by the Father in every single area of his ability to save us. Now, think with me tonight. When he ascended, Jesus won a complete victory over sins, he won a victory over the problem of sins in the human race. By the perfect man dying the just for the unjust. Secondly, he completely won a victory by condemning the singular sin. In his humanity, he condemned sin. That is, he brought judgment upon sin. So now, the man that became sin, the man... That bore our sins. Now, the last time we think of Jesus is as the man that bore our sins and had our sins upon him before his resurrection. And he became sin and he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now the reason that the resurrection is so crucial, plus 40 days later the ascension, and then the, then the succession, being seated at the right hand of God the Father, is because of what it truly means in depth. All the depths of his understanding, and his ways are past finding out, says Romans 11. <clears throat> now, I'm going to say this again. The man that had all of your sins upon him got resurrected. Sooner or later it's going to sink in. The man that became sin for us has been resurrected. That meant that he was in his person the full payment for sins and he condemned the old sin nature singular. Now he died with our sins upon him and he died becoming sin for us and was judged by the Father and was buried. Now with all the sins that we placed upon him that should have ended him. But it didn't. The Holy Spirit in Romans one four raised him from the dead. Well, what did he do when he bore our sins. He identified with every single one of our sins. What did he do when he became sin? He identified with every person's sin nature. Identification with everything bad that we've ever done and everything bad that we've ever have been. Then... The just dying for the unjust, he's crucified, and he is buried. Why is it so hard for people to get this message? And he was raised from the dead. Who was raised from the dead? This same Jesus. Peter said, you have crucified Jesus and this same Jesus has been raised from the dead. This same Jesus is raised from the dead without our sins and without our sin attached to him. Why? They were totally nullified at the point of his death and burial. Well, what does that mean? The Father passes by them in the Old Testament, in Micah seven eighteen. Even though they were not removed, they were covered. But in the New Testament, since his death and burial, they have been removed. Removed from us and removed from him, the sin bearer. The sin-bearer has had our sins removed from him. And our sin has been condemned to death. That's the singular part of the old nature. Now he is resurrected in his glorified humanity and ascended. And in his ascension he has been exalted. As King of Kings and Lord of Lords, having left his prophetic ministry, and is our High Priest. Now, he sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to let everyone know, yes, it's all taken care of. Of course, that was revealed at his resurrection, because the same Jesus was resurrected. The same Jesus ascended into heaven. In Acts one eleven, the same Jesus is coming back. He's a Jesus without sins upon him, and a Jesus without becoming sin anymore. And the sins that were covered have now been removed. Now, this is why in Numbers 21 8, when the serpents did bite the Jewish people, Moses put a brazen serpent on an altar and lifted it up on a pole, and everyone that looked at it would be healed. So when I look at Jesus Christ identifying with my sins, identifying with my sin, I am saved and I am healed from all the effects of my sins and from all the effect of my sin. But now we look at Jesus high and lifted up in the holy of holies of heaven in the heavenly sanctuary as Isaiah did in the sixth chapter. And verse 1 And we no longer see Jesus Christ who saved us. Now we see Jesus Christ who completely and totally has perfected our salvation before he perfects us. Because he's working a process in our lives through free volitional choices in human bodies. Now, Why is it that there is no condemnation? Because there is no sin to condemn anybody with that's saved. Why is it that finished work people are the most victorious people in the history of the human race? Because they no longer deal with their sins. They confess them, but they no longer deal with them. Now, why is it that a child of God has absolutely no fear of death? It's very simple: whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die." Believest thou this in John 11:25, "Whosoever believeth on him shall never even taste death," in John 8:51. So, if you don't taste death and you never die, I guess you wouldn't fear death. Physically speaking, you die if it comes before the rapture, but you do not die spiritually. Now, it seems to me then that the exalted Christ means four things to me. Number one, never ever again do I have to identify with my old sin nature? Number two, never again do I have to identify with any sins that I ever have committed. Number three, I will never have to taste death. The real person never has to taste death. He's absent from the body and present with the Lord at the moment of physical death. And number four, Therefore, I don't have a past. I only have Christ in the presence of fellowship now. The only thing that's left of my past is the fragrance of memories of good things that I choose to enjoy, to remember. He's exalted the man that had your sins upon him. The man that became sin, the man that was crucified, has been exalted. The same Jesus. It's time to shout. Praise him in this place. Praise him some more. Therefore, the Apostle Paul shouted, No condemnation. You shout it. Shout it again. And again. No Romans, 8, Romans 8 1. Is it any wonder that the word of God says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me shall not come into condemnation? But did you ever consider the last part? But has already passed from death unto life. It's already happened. Already passed from death unto life. He's exalted, and He's that same Jesus exalted. Now I, I'm going to say it again tonight, in the freshness of this absolute fresh message. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor things what present, nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. What is missing in that verse? What? Say it with conviction. Say it with conviction. Of course the past can't separate you because you don't have one. The reason that you don't have one Jesus Christ, who bore your sins and became sin, became your past that was buried. I never said it that way. He became your past, and therefore he was buried. So, bye-bye, past. Now, if I was the devil, what would I do about this? And seeing he's the father of all lies in John eight forty four, what would I do about this? To get you wonderful, wonderful women to identify with your past. And to make it present. And you good old men. Identification with sin, identification of sins is transgression of God's finished work. It's failing the grace of God in Hebrews twelve fifteen. It's falling from the grace of God in personal experience in Galatians 5, 4. You see, identification with sins and identification with sin is is not from the exalted Christ and the people that do this haven't seen him high and lifted up as the man God, man, yet. They haven't seen Isaiah's vision. Isaiah wasn't looking at the king that died of leprosy, whom he loved for 52 years as a great patriot of Israel, Isaiah. He now saw the king high and lifted up, Jesus, Lord of lords on the throne. Sins behind him, sin behind him, and death defeated. And therefore the word of God says, Thanks be unto God, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and goes on to say God always causes us to triumph in Christ in 2 Corinthians 2.14 with the verse just quoted 1 Corinthians 15.57 Therefore he that dieth once dieth no more and Jesus died once and I was with him so I don't have to die for my sins anymore therefore I never die spiritually can't die, impossible you poor people That here a preacher in America, get up and preach like this, and and still identify with your old sin nature and identify with your sins. Shame on you. Our identification is with his death. It's with his burial. It's with his resurrection. It's with his ascension. It's with our exalted position. In Ephesians two six, we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. That is our exalted position in identification with Jesus Christ's ascension. We don't only identify with his death, we not only identify with his burial, we identify with his resurrection, and we go beyond that. We identify with his ascension and we go beyond that. We identify with the fact that he's been approved of of God, with all of us approved of with him at the right hand of the Father for divine approval as a man, with all of us sinners saved by grace as men, hid with Christ and God in him. Now, are you going to identify with your problem in marriage or the ascension? or the exaltation of Christ, or your new position in heavenly places. What are you going to identify with? Your death, burial, and resurrection? Your new position in heavenly places? Or are you going to identify with something that no longer exists in the mind of the Ascended One? He ever liveth to make an accession for you to save you from yourself because He's already saved you from your sins.
0: Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.grationpublic.com
2: The Gospel. Amazing. That identification with Jesus' righteousness. We see this in the Scriptures in the New Testament. The Gospel message may be misunderstood. If you ask people what the Gospel is, you may get many different answers, ranging from living a moral life, which is a total misunderstanding that somehow this good news that Jesus died somehow now enables me to live a moral life. It empowers me that the gospel is by nature empowering, which certainly because of the gospel now we have righteousness imputed to us and we no longer live under the power of the old sin nature and so We are spiritual, which fulfills morality in the ultimate sense. But the gospel may be explained and put in a context that it's some sort of method to get into heaven. It's some sort of beginning to become a Christian. The gospel is something that you receive to then become saved, to then go to heaven. But primarily... And that really makes it a very small doctrine. But the gospel is really, it's a declaration of the righteousness of Jesus Christ on what he's done, who he is, and the amazing announcement that once you hear what he's done and who he is and if you believe and mix faith with that information as you're really being quickened behind the scenes by the Holy Spirit who's bringing that information to you and giving you opportunity to receive it. You were led to that place by the Father, but now presented in full view is the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And that great news that if you believe that righteousness is now put on your account, that your identification with what he's done now qualifies you God comes in and saves you, and you don't do the saving by your believing, but because of your believing, there's a covenant, and God is faithful to himself to save you for his own sake, for his love's sake. And Romans 3 is great. I, I Romans 3, starting in verse 21 and following through 26, is amazing. You want to look at the engine of the gospel? You want to look at the you want to open up the gearbox and look in and see how it functions, this is great. The book of Romans is awesome in that it explains many aspects of the legalities of of God's kingdom and how he functions. But here, Romans 3, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Really, Romans one nineteen, following all the way up until this point, Paul is talking about how condemned we are. He's talking about the law and how far we've fallen short of it as a as a race and individually, and and so here it's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, the righteousness of God, apart from this law, is revealed. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. For there is no difference, continuing in verse 22, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's the bad news. All. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Oh, and that word propitiation, it's a legal term. and Maybe we gloss over that word because you don't really know what it means. <laughs> and, I and the rest that surrounds it is so good, you think, Okay, and, and maybe, but it's good to maybe open up that word and look at it. To be propitious, to win someone's favor. And we see pagan cultures make offerings and sacrifices to different gods, hoping that that God will be propitious to them, that they will gain favor. But God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And here we see we, we, there would be an identification with Jesus' righteousness. That God himself, that sinless blood of Christ, that sinless sacrifice, that the Son of Man, the Son of God, walking, never sinning, and yet dying in our place. God decided that this would be the method that men might be saved and therefore through all time up until that point, knowing that there would be this sacrifice had passed over sin, knowing that the full payment would come. He was patient. He was long-suffering, knowing his son would pay the debt, knowing that this would be pleasing, that this would gain favor. Verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amazing, amazing. He is the just one, and he is the justifier. He is the Savior, and yet he is the payment himself for sin. He's the one who saves and he's the one who takes the place. It's amazing. It's amazing. So here we see legally why God can justify us. That purely because it's identification with the righteousness of his son, purely this righteousness now that God, apart from the law, is revealing. Apart from the law. Because all those requirements of the law had already been taken care of. By our Lord, by our Savior. Amazing. Amazing. He was so loving that he did what we could never do.
0: We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graysonpublic.com
2: So the bad news comes before the good news. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you read it on a track. God loves you as a wonderful plan for your life. God, what is that plan? What does that mean? We don't know. Maybe we think that that plan means a better job. Maybe it means health. Maybe it means a release from my situation. But this plan for your life involves righteousness by identification with His Son. And oh, it's a much better plan. It's a much better plan than what we have. we identify with the righteousness of His Son, it sets us free from performance. It sets us free from sin. It sets us free from strange expectations. That now we live by grace, not by the law not by the righteousness achieved by the law, which no man has achieved. So will you identify with the righteousness of Jesus Christ today? God so wants you, so loves you, and desires that you be clean and free and accepted. Your sin's been paid for. Now the question is, will you identify with the one who's paid for your sin and receive the free gift? Pray a prayer. Something like this. Your heart is touched right now. Don't wait. Make a decision. Pray a prayer. Lord, you, you are right and I am wrong. You have paid for my sin on the cross. I know it now. And I believe and I trust in you. And I trust in the work that you've accomplished on my behalf. And I receive it now and I ask you, come into my life. Do what you will with me. Cleanse me, wash me. Make me yours. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.